0: I brain map by Rita McInnes. chapter 4 meeting Mary in this chapter I introduce you to Mary your other companion through the book and our dialogue shows another way I might introduce the eye brain map to a client Mary first session Mary is 56. She was referred by her GP, who is concerned about her constant exhaustion, aches and pains, including frequent headaches. She's had a raft of tests, but so far nothing has shown up. Her GP has also referred her to a dietitian to help her lose weight and has prescribed antidepressant medication. Mary has come to counselling because she is reluctant to take the antidepressant medication. In the waiting room, she is sitting quietly, flicking through a home beautiful magazine. She looks up and smiles at me when I come into the room. We make our introductions, then she places the magazine neatly on top of the pile of other magazines and pulls herself out of the chair with some difficulty and follows me into my office. Her large frame fills the chair. Mary calls herself a carer and describes her childhood as follows. I was the eldest of five. Mum would take to her bed for days and pull down the blind to shut out the world, including us kids. We hid it from everyone and pretended she was busy if anyone called. I can't remember how old I was when it started. It seems it was always like that. We'd fend for ourselves. I became the carer for the others. I had to. There was no one else. Dad was never around. He was either away working or at the pub. By the time I was in high school, I was pretty much taking care of things at home. I took lots of days off school. I'd forge mum's signature. But we always went to mass on Sundays. Mum would get up and drag us all to mass, rain, hail or shine. Maybe that's why no one suspected anything. And she'd put on a show for everyone. It was like she was another person, chatting and laughing even. It was strange, really, but normal for me. By the time we'd get home, she was silent again. And here is a conversation with Mary. When I was in therapy last time, I talked about it a lot. Was that helpful? It helped to understand my attachment issues. That's what the therapist called it. And why I'm the way I am now. It's sometimes called early parentification when a child takes on a parenting role before they have the resources to cope with the responsibility. But I didn't have a choice and mum couldn't help. She really was sick mentally, though I didn't understand that back then. Yes, sounds like she was maybe depressed. And this is not about blaming anyone for what happened. But we do want to understand the impact on your brain and how it may be still impacting you now. It's likely this early experience of responsibility was overwhelming for you as a little girl. Yes, it was overwhelming, but I got used to it. That early experience may have laid down a map that says I must take care of everyone full stop, no excuses ever. Even if you're exhausted or they can easily take care of themselves. Does that fit, Mary? Sounds about right. My brother still calls me little mother, not so little these days though. Can you help me get rid of it? We're not trying to get rid of anything, but just give you more choice. Feeling responsible and taking care of people sounds like an automatic reaction. I feel exhausted all the time lately. I find the grandchildren tiring. Sarah, my eldest, she's always off, doing this or that and leaving the kids with me, I love the kids, but it's such an effort. Have you ever said no to her, Mary? Oh, I couldn't. I'm not good at saying no. I wonder if it may be almost impossible for you to say no because the reaction to care for others is tied up with your brain survival response. Really? My therapist got really frustrated with me because she wanted me to be more assertive. She didn't say she was frustrated with me, but I could tell. I've got a radar for people getting annoyed with me. A radar for disapproval, huh? So what happens if you try to say no? I'm paralysed. I get sweaty and panicky. No words come out. I stopped therapy because it was just too hard. In the end, that's all we talked about. I felt like such a failure. I laughed with my friend at the time that I failed therapy. It sounds like lower brain activation, Mary. It may be that you get triggered by a person's need and that activates the freeze response. That can affect the language centres in your brain and often means you can't find the words as your body drops into the frozen memory of how it was for you when you were a little girl, overwhelmed by trying to do an adult's task or taking care of your younger siblings. Sounds complicated, but you're right. I honestly feel like I can't say no. Afterwards, I might wish I'd said no, but I just can't. It makes me feel hopeless. I get annoyed with myself. And since I've been so tired, the whole thing is worse. It makes sense, Mary. When someone, especially family, needs something, an old pathway of survival is activated. I'll explain why this happens in the I-Brain map it's just easier to say yes and then it's over and I don't feel that dreadful tension. Sounds like you've developed some avoidance because staying in that dissonance is too uncomfortable. I want to show you what's going on in your brain and teach you some strategies you can use to develop more choices. Sorry, but it's hard to imagine. Don't get me wrong, I love my kids and I want to help them. Just not every day. I'm so tired. Sorry, I shouldn't complain. You can complain all you like here, Mary, but for the moment I'm more interested that when you said you're tired, your whole body seemed to collapse. Were you aware of that? Well, now you mention it, yes, I feel collapsed. Where do you feel that collapse most in your body, Mary? In here. Here. Mary points to the diaphragm area, like I don't have anything holding me up. Activation points. The body is constantly reacting to the environment, and many people have particular markers in the body that signal distress, overwhelm, dissonance or lower brain activation. Common activation points include the solar plexus, jaw, neck, shoulders and abdomen. Usually people experience a contraction, tightening, collapse or sometimes a tremoring like butterflies in these activation points or fidgeting in feet and hands. The breath is a significant marker of activation or any agitation in the body. The breath is like a radar for what's happening in the body and mind and you can also change it at will which is why the breath is so important in working with body memory maps. Anything else you're aware of? It's hard to breathe. (sighs) Did you notice any thoughts or emotions, perhaps impulses, when you felt that? Oh, yes. I wanted to curl up in a ball and crawl away. No, actually, go get a coffee and a piece of cake. Yes, chocolate cake was definitely on my mind. There's a great deli with homemade cakes just around the corner. So I wonder if when there's a lot going on internally your attention goes to the chocolate cake, maybe for comfort, and it lets you escape the discomfort internally for a while. I don't know, sorry. I just know that I'd rather eat cake than talk about my problems. Who wouldn't? Yeah, fair enough. The trouble is that this pattern of avoidance, The way you use food to escape and comfort internal distress may be part of the cycle tied to your reaction. Would it be okay to talk to the body about that before we talk more about cakes? Well, I can tell you a lot more about cakes than I can about my body. (laughs) I was interested that you went straight for the cake in your mind when you felt the discomfort in your body and I wonder if that's your usual reaction. Maybe, I guess so. Sorry, I'm not very clear, am I? I also notice you often say sorry, Mary. You don't need to apologise or censor anything here. I'm very curious about your thoughts and feelings and even the need to say sorry. And if you don't know something, that's also interesting to me. Okay, I'll try not to say sorry again. No, I'm not saying don't say sorry. I'm just curious that it seems to be a pattern when you don't have an answer or perhaps say things that you think might offend or upset. Yeah, I'm always apologising. Pathetic. So you feel wrong or bad, say sorry, and then you feel bad for feeling bad. I don't want to get too sidetracked by it, but let's just notice when it comes up and what's going on for you when you say or want to say, sorry, okay? Yeah, okay. Back to the food thing. So what you do around food isn't very clear, but seems to just happen. Is that how it feels? Yep. Suddenly I've eaten a whole block of chocolate and I hardly even remember opening it. It's like some demon takes me over and I don't even know it. Then suddenly I wake up with an empty wrapper. Perhaps I have multiple personalities. What do you think? (laughs) Sounds like there could be a dissociative quality in there. A what? Could be some kind of dissociation. Dissociation. The extreme end of dissociation is dissociative identity disorder. Or, what was previously called multiple personalities, and is often portrayed in dramas but is quite rare. On the other end of the spectrum, most of us experience some dissociation, such as when we're driving the same route to work each day or doing a routine task. You could say we slip into a mindless state, which is quite helpful when we're bored, for instance. For those with a history of trauma or overwhelm, dissociation is a protective response that allows you to distance yourself from the experience of traumatic or overwhelming events. It's experienced as things seeming unreal or distant, or you feel unreal, almost as if you're in a dream. While this is protective during an overwhelming experience, if it continues, you can have difficulty managing day-to-day situations because you continually disappear into a kind of trance. But usually you don't recognise that it's happening. It's also problematic in therapy because dissociation can inhibit integration. It sounds like... The only way you had to nurture and comfort yourself as a child was through food because your parents weren't available. It probably also gave you some control in an out-of-control world. I felt happiest in the kitchen, especially when it was just me and Gran. Later, when Gran died, I was in charge of the kitchen. Alone in the kitchen, I could eat whatever I wanted, make what I wanted. If I wanted something, I learned how to make it. I make a mean chocolate cake. I bet you do. And it was the way you learned to comfort yourself, so food became associated with comfort and maybe control. Can you fix me then? If you were a car and I was a mechanic, I might give it a shot, but you're a human being and I'm a human being and I'm not in the business of fixing. Fixing implies there's something wrong with you, Mary. Well, there is something wrong with me. I'm sure there is. I don't think there's anything wrong with you, Mary. I think your brain has behaved exactly as it needed to. And then it got stuck on that set point, And that set point got wired in with more and more experience until it turned into a neural knot that's no longer helpful. In fact, it may even be detrimental to your health. It worked perfectly at the time. It was adaptive based on the resources available to you back then and helped you survive. But it's not working for you now, that's all. But it's not bad or wrong. Can you change that? I can't, but you can, or your brain can, once we have a new map and a few tools. In the beginning, I'll be like the compass to remind you which direction to move, or like a line through and beyond whatever is happening that you can grab hold of when you get bogged or lost in a tunnel. But over time, you'll know how to get yourself out of these brain knots. You make it sound so easy, but I don't feel very confident. Why would you? All your experience tells you that there is a problem and someone else has to fix it or fix you, which is the opposite of what I'm telling you. In fact, it's like a cultural anthem, someone or something fix me, save me. But we each have to do this for ourselves, well, our brain does. You don't have to believe me, Mary, all you need to do is experiment and test it for yourself and find your own evidence. That's what changes the brain, not me sitting here and babbling on about what you need to do to change. It's you discovering what works for you. I'm just giving you the pointers and a map and a few tools. Oh, and a compass, of course. But it's your journey. Who knows what you'll discover? Uncover, more like it. All those old stinking bones down there. Not sure I want to dig them up. We're not going to go through the garbage before we put it out. We don't need to dredge through all yesterday's muck. We let the brain do that. We just work with what's here and now, especially how it's stored in the body. You'll have to get through a lot of layers of fat to find it, Rita. (laughs) Ouch! That seemed like you just gave yourself a good kick. Mary looks out the window. I guess I do feel disgusted by this body. It's easier to make jokes about it before anyone else can. I tried to tell myself it's okay and I don't really care. But I hate it, hate myself this way. Does hating yourself help or make you feel worse? It's much worse. I'm likely to binge when I'm self-loathing. I did a lot of work on that with my last therapist too. When I feel dreadful, I just have to eat. I go into an eating trance. I can't get enough. Nothing fills me up. And then suddenly I feel awful and I want to throw up. Eating is the very first way we learn to soothe ourselves, Mary. And it sounds like the only way you know. So the worse you feel, the more you're going to eat. Yep, that's true. You're instinctively trying to soothe the lower brain because it's distressed in some way. We need to give you some other strategies to soothe the lower brain so you can eat when you want to instead of using food as your only comfort and then having this battle with food and your body. I think the only place we can really rest and feel safe and at home is in the body. Can't imagine why anyone would want to rest in the body. I can't get out of there fast enough. Sounds like the body hasn't been safe for you, Mary. We want to see if we can find gentle ways into the body so that you can experience the body from inside your own skin. No rush on that. Can we do some other stuff first? I'm interested in the map thing.